if we if we look to others to create safety for us we're effectively losing the game of autonomy because we no longer own our own time somebody else does for 100, 200, 300, $400,000 a year. Welcome to the Next Level Income Show, where it's our goal to take your income, your investments, and your life to the next level. I'm your host, Chris Larson. If you haven't yet, get a copy of our book for free at our website, nextlevelincome.com. That's www.nextlevelincome.com. Just click on the book link, and I'll even send you a copy if you put your address in. On today's show, we have Avi Golar. Avi is a private equity investor, entrepreneur, three-time nationally syndicated radio show host on the Wall Street Business Radio Network, and a media figure whose experience encompasses print, podcasting, radio, and television appearances. He's a whirlwind, guys. Um, as a much sought-after voice in real estate investment and entrepreneurship, Avi has written for a variety of publications, including Forbes, Huffington Post, and industry-specific magazines like Inman and Think Realty, with a passion for entrepreneurship that we're going to really dive into today, as well as reforming healthcare education. He has grown seven startups, with the most recent being NP Hub. This startup launched in Q3 of 2017, now serves over 1,000 nurse practitioner students with yearly revenues exceeding $5 million, and that doesn't include any venture capital, angel, or equity debt investment. He bootstrapped this. Today, he is the principal in Meridian 84, an Atlanta-based private equity firm. Avi, great to see you again, my friend. Chris, thanks so much for having me, man. I'm excited. Yeah. Oh, we got so much we can talk about here today, but I want you to share a little bit about your background with the audience before we really dive into it. Yeah. Uh, born and raised in a small town in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I don't know if you know the song, Got a Girl from Kalamazoo. Well, that's where I'm from. Uh, went to school in Ann Arbor, uh, Michigan, the University of Michigan, finished in 2006. Uh, when I was at Michigan, uh, that's where I got my first dose of reality as an entrepreneur. Uh, in high school, I'd created a company called Max Technologies, where we were, uh, my friend and I, my neighborhood buddy and I, Matt Carroll, we were fixed hardware and software for computers. And I parlayed that into an engineering degree. Uh, but at Michigan, I'm like, you know what? I think I could do more with this entrepreneurship. Long story short, ended up starting a company called Rent to Buy, and we ended up uh, doing so many lease option agreements that it caught uh, that there was a national car agency, not national, but another national brand uh, that got wind of what we were doing. They loved the brand and they said, hey, we'd like to go ahead and purchase your company. So that was my first exit uh, in college of Rent to Buy. The second company that I- How old were you? uh, uh, 18. That's awesome. First exit at 18. Yeah, that was kind of cool. And that's when I started to realize too, wait a minute, there's some power here, right? There's something going on that I don't know what it is because I was 18 and uh, let's be honest, I was studying girls and not homework. Um, So, (laughs) you know, you know. Um, And so the company that uh, I started with my mentor was uh, called a motor mentor, where we would identify classic cars on Craigslist and list them for sale on eBay. Uh, through a marketing uh, agreement. And we flipped so many cars when I was in college. All I felt like I was doing was flipping cars, doing these lease option agreements, and kind of going to school. But I learned something valuable. I learned <clears throat> customer service. I learned how to use some level, of, uh, some level of processes. We didn't really have automations as we do today. It was the early, early yep. version of the internet and technology. But in my mind, I started to create this distinction between the activity that I could do as an individual and the activity that I could pay somebody else to do if I properly designed a process, a duplicatable process somebody else could follow. So 
There's more to that a little bit later, I'm sure, in our conversation. That ended up doing really well. We were selling between three to five to six cars a month, and the profit margin was split between my mentor and I, and margin was anywhere between three and $6,000. So it was pretty great money for a college kid. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then I had my run in with real estate when I was invested in inner city Detroit. I trusted the wrong mentor, ended up becoming, I was a victim of mortgage fraud at the age of 19. Um, You know, those no income, no job applications that people will forge on your behalf. And then, Yeah. yeah. I, I was a victim of that. Um, I didn't even know what was going on. I was so just, what the hell do I do with this entire thing? Ended up working with the FBI and the Department of Justice uh, wow. to put this guy in jail after a two and a half year investigation uh, for which I was a key witness in a grand jury. So that was 2004, five, six. Um, yeah. I'll probably everything kind of stopped for me when I was 20 and a half, 20 and a half, 21 ish. I graduated and I said, okay, enough is enough. Graduated from Michigan with a highly valued electrical engineering degree, decided to turn down all my job offers on the West Coast and go off and be an entrepreneur, whatever the hell that meant at that time. So that's where I started. (laughs) So you pay all that money. Did you get a scholarship or did you actually pay for your degree? So my parents are really smart and investors. They taught me one thing that when you have kids, um, you should invest in, well, back then it was called the MET, the Michigan Educational Trust. And uh, the one you do when you have a kid is you want to save for college and whether it's the 529 plan or go buy a house in their name and let it appreciate, or even if it's saving $200 a month. So they ended up locking in college tuition rates of 1985 for me. So when I went to school in 2002, my room board and tuition, my room and board uh, was covered at the cost of tuition, room and board of 1985. Insane. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Good good for your parents. So yeah. you, you, you spend your time, your parents devote these resources, you get an engineering yeah. degree, but you learn so much more outside of school, Abhi. Um, what, before we move on to that, because that's, that's, that's amazing. And this is like the thing I tell, you know, young, young individuals or people that are in school. I said, look, it's not, it's not what you're going to learn in class. It's going to be what you learn between class, not when you're in class, but when you're in college is what I tell them. And you did that, but what, you know, I have some thoughts, like what I learned from my engineering degree. What, what did you take from it that you find is, is um, helpful, is valuable to you as an engineer today? So, okay. Two things. One, if I want something, I'm going to go get it. I don't care. If I'm bad enough, I'm going to go get it. I can. I will sit at home in my basement where I am today and just work. Yeah. It'll take me a week. It might take me a couple of days. I'm not going to sleep. I'm barely going to eat. I'm going to forget about going upstairs for a second. My wife loves that. And I'm just going to get it done. So the sheer will and power of drive to just do it, that's something that you develop as an engineer. Number two, you develop a very uncanny ability to reverse engineer almost any solution you use. So for example, if I want to design a piece of software now, or if I want to design a solution to the healthcare industry, or if I want to design a solution to the contracting industry, um, I can go build it 
and I know exactly the pathway to reverse engineer to get to my success and whatever I define success to be. I can iterate on that success. I can, of course, change the definition of success over time because you want it to grow, you want to iterate, make it better. But that's the thing that I figured out really early on, just like Tony Stark does in the second version of his Iron Man suit, the exact yeah. same thing here. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And you said a couple of things. You talked about processes and systems and um, iterating. And, you know, I think it's something, there's a couple of pieces of the, you know, the engineering process that are, that are sorely needed in society today. And one is assumptions. A lot yeah. of people I find make the wrong assumptions and they're really smart people. And they are really good at solving problems, but they put the wrong inputs in. So then they get the wrong inputs out. You could talk about recent things with like COVID and, you know, those sorts of things. Um, so I think that's one thing. The second piece is you mentioned iterating. So you solve and then you look back and say, hey, could we have changed something? Could we make it better? And that's how we, we improve our systems and do that. So um, I, I love I love that aspect. Um, what are some of the systems and processes that, that you have created that you've taken, you know, from your early days and now kind of translated to what you're doing today? Yeah, I think one of the things is how do you effectively create a way for one, your customers to interact with you or potential customers to interact with you? And then how do you fulfill whatever it is that you're promising them? So for example, today, I'm a co-founder and co-owner of a company called Hub. You can go check it out, npnancypaulhub.com, and we serve the healthcare education niche, specifically nurse practitioners. Uh, nurse practitioners need to find clinical rotations before they can graduate. Currently, without our platform, it would normally take them months. Now it takes them minutes. So the platform, nphub.com, I designed it, built it, and kept the idea of the customer journey in mind throughout. So if you're a medical student, you're a practitioner student, you go to mbhub.com, you search your city, you search your state, you search the type of rotation you want, and boom, in seconds you can go, find it, book it, reserve it, pay for it, and you're good to go, just like you would on airbnb.com. Awesome. That process, once I understood, hey, what's the goal? The goal is to get reservations, to get bookings. Just with that simple idea in mind, I can reverse engineer five, four or five or six different ways to get from here to here. And then it's just testing to see which of the four or five ways actually is the best way. Then take that as a version two and turn that into a version three. So to put context to all of this, we started this company in 2017 with barely anything in 2018, right out of the gate, we're making $730,000 a year, roughly. Today, this year in 2023, we'll probably touch about $7 in top line revenue with a team of about 54, 55 people. Half are full-time in Atlanta. The other half are split between South America and India. Insane. No venture, no angel, no private equity. That's what you can do with the process in a yeah. perfectly curated system. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, I think you, you think you do think like an engineer. Avi, but you also, you said something really key and, you know, you mentioned customers, you're looking yeah. at the end user and saying, Hey, how can I, how can I help them out? And I think that's, that is something that's a little bit different. And when you blend the two together, that's where you get a lot of the power. And that's sometimes kind of what we've forgotten today. Yes, we're so, exactly. We're so yeah. wrapped up in this idea that I want to be, I want to make a million dollars a month or it's, 
I want to make money or I want to do or I want to. Well, okay. well, who's giving you the money? Who's giving you the gross margin? Who's giving you the profit so you can say these things on your Instagram feed? Nobody gives a shit about. Right? It's your customer. And if you're not paying attention to your customer, you're not you're not paying attention to who they are, what they truly want and how you're making them feel then of course your business is going to die and perish. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And as a business leader, we have to recognize and stop that type of destructive behavior. Yeah. I don't care if you run a real estate brokerage or an e-com company or a YouTube channel or, or an electrical services company. All of these things matter. Today, right now, we have an opportunity to essentially help save small business America. 10,000 baby boomers are, are, are retiring every single day, 10% of which have businesses. And there are only a couple thousand business brokers in America, which means wow. there's plenty of opportunity for us to really step up and make money yeah. for ourselves, but only as a result of serving our clients. And that's yeah. the key. If we don't pay attention to our prospects and customers and really serving them, there's no way we're going to win. You know, interestingly, I was, uh, I was speaking with one, um, I'm, a, I'm one, of, one of the mentors at Tech Alpharetta uh, here in Atlanta. Yeah. And uh, I had an opportunity to connect with one of the one of the um, attendees after, and he's currently a student at Georgia Tech. And and he's like, yeah, you know, I really make a million. I want to make like as close to a million dollars a year as I can. And I'm like, great. So what if you wanted to start off um, your first couple of years? What kind of salary would you want? He's like, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, great. Go become a plumber. You know how much plumbers make? Four or five hundred thousand dollars a year. And he probably Insane. didn't. Yeah, he probably shook his head when he heard that. Like that doesn't make sense. Yeah, he he's yeah. like, I go to Georgia Tech. I'm like, okay, got it. So you're too proud to like do the dirty work, uh, but you don't want the money. You just want yeah. the, the ease of use and or the easy way of doing things, which is what becoming an influencer today, which actually is more competitive. So, well, and again, like you you keep you keep throwing these little you weave you weave these little pieces in that are really gold which is, you know, we talked about customer service and focusing on, focusing on the end user. But yeah. the other thing that you mentioned was save small business. And I think, you know, yeah. th- this country was founded on, on the ability to own private property. It was also, you know, it was founded by people that were willing to take risk. Entrepreneurs take risks, but they also do what you were talking about earlier, which is they solve problems. They solve problems for people. And I'm an optimist. So when we talk about like the environments, you know, being destroyed and, um, you know, the, the economy, we're going to run out of this. And, and it's like, I have faith that American entrepreneurs are going to solve these problems. And if we can not only help take these businesses, as you mentioned, Abby, and, and, and save them or keep them going, but also teach the next generation what it is to be an entrepreneur, then I I have faith that we can solve these. And it's not, in my opinion, it's not faith in government because these are the same businesses. What is it? All of, all of the net, net jobs created in this country, created by small businesses, large corporations economize, they destroy jobs. The government feeds off of business and the tax revenues that people, individual workers in these businesses provide. But when you think about it, what does all that mean? This whole country is run by entrepreneurs. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We have to create, we have to get comfortable in creating our own safety. If we, if we look to others to create safety for us, we're effectively losing the game of autonomy because we no longer own our own time. Somebody else does for 
a hundred, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars a year. I don't care. You you slap a you slap a salary on uh, on yourself at a million dollars a year. Yeah, you better believe you you get called. You're going. You have no family life. Yeah. Your partner, kid, never gonna see you. Right? Like this is not gonna happen. But if you want to claim your time back, and if you're really looking to make an impact long term in your community, for society that's yeah. given you so much specific freedoms, yeah. then buying America and helping America, yeah. saving America should be at the top of your to-do list. I, I love that. And look, I was on call for 12 years, so I, I was shaking my head up and down when you were saying that. Um, yeah. Tr- true words. So and so what you're talking about, um, I, I love that we started with your, your journey to evolving into an entrepreneur, essentially. Um, but also... You just brought up investing. You're a big investor. You had a little bit of uh, maybe a negative experience with real estate um, at, at a very early age. Um, when did that? When did that shift? When did you get back to investing in real estate? And you know, what what did that look like for you? So that was Detroit, right? So that was 2006, yeah. seven. Yeah. <clears throat> I moved to Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah. I I know it was a long time. Um, I moved to no, Lincoln, I mean, Nebraska. Like that was, was that was a heck of heck of a time to be in real estate, especially. And then you look at Detroit. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Where everybody somehow uh, had, had the golden, had the golden Midas touch. And I'm the guy that, that was still trying to figure it out. And then I realized, Oh, wait a minute. Everybody's just committing. Okay. Got it. Nice. Jeez. Um, I would say I got back on the horse relatively quickly because I really had a thirst to learn and to understand my mistakes. So yes, I was in a shitty position. Got it. Okay. Like that's understood. No problem. And it was tough going through it, but I also sought solace in the fact that if it's this bad now, it would never get this bad in the future. I just needed to stick my learning curve. There was yeah. something that I was missing. There was some key, there's some knowledge that was locked for me that I needed to go get unlocked. And so I sought that. One of my first mentors was Andy Vu, the first choice realty in Lincoln. He taught me how to knock on doors. And um, he's a guy that barely speaks a lick of English. You, can, you can't even understand him, but has 200 doors in Lincoln. I'm like, bro, that's impressive. I need to learn from you. And I, today I'm a product of the shoulders of the giants on which I've been standing for such a long time. Like that to me is uh, a testament to mentors, both good, bad, and ugly, uh, that have taught me the ropes and taught me what to do and what not to do. So I started investing right back in real estate in 2009. Uh, Very interesting time to be investing in real estate. I was in uh, Atlanta at that time, and we were identifying land, homes to just acquire on behalf of these large funds that were grabbing America back then. I mean, that was the biggest. Oh, yeah the biggest wealth transfer in the world. If you weren't in the real estate game from 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, you just missed out on hundreds of millions of dollars in opportunity. It was the same. At the same time, I was building another company. So that was my kind of foray back into the self-confidence and version two of this entrepreneur we would call Abby. So yeah, so build another company. What, what brought you back to, or what brought you to Atlanta? Where you are now. I had a mentor of mine who uh, suggested we take a look at the healthcare education space. So this was a company that um, he and I started in person together. We'd started another company when I was in college. Maybe I built three different companies in college. 
kind of crazy. Um, so this company was geared toward international medical doctors and helping them find their rotations in Atlanta. This was the early precipice to NP Hub. NP Hub serves nurse practitioners. Um, yeah. I can't remember the name of the company more, but um, this this other company, my version one, if you will, uh, yeah. served medical doctors, international medical doctors. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Okay, so you you get your education really in entrepreneurship. Um, you yeah. you take some licks, and I, I would say you know it's interesting because you you didn't phrase that experience as a negative. And I think, you know, when we, when we go through these hardships, this adversity, I was just, just listening to Joe Rogan um, yesterday and yeah. he was actually having a bit of a, uh, a debate with his guest and his guest was talking about how he shields his children from really any potential negative interaction with, with yeah. like adults and those sorts of things. And Joe said, but adversity creates, you know, durability you know he didn't say durability but that's the way i put it um and it sounds like you you had the same experience you said well hey this is, if this is as worse as bad as it can get and the real estate market's crashing all around me and i'm not dead i'm still around and i have these opportunities yep where can we go from here that's the mindset yeah. and that's the mindset that you need if you want to start a business if you want yeah. to buy a business if you want to invest in real estate there's no easy path and it's never going to be it's never going to be the same. There's always something. There's always something, Chris, that's going to change, yeah. that's going to be different, that's going to yeah. be a monkey wrench that comes in a minute and you're like, oh, seriously, we're about to go to the closing table in three hours. What the hell is this? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I've had that happen. You've had that happen. You're yeah. smiling because you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking but, about the last big one. Yeah. But it's like that durability where, hey, cool. Yeah. We're going to keep calm and steady. Yeah. Whatever happens, will happen. We're going to put out to the universe that it's going to work. We've done our homework. Yeah. We've raised the capital. Yeah. We know exactly what we have to do. Will stuff go wrong? Yeah, of course. Right? Like Atlanta traffic is going to be Atlanta traffic. There's nothing perfect about Atlanta traffic as long as I can get There's here nothing, to the airport. nothing perfect. There's nothing good about Atlanta traffic. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing good about it. You don't know what the hell is going to happen. Right, they might shut down the uh, entire highway for a second. But you I know got what? stuck behind a train in Atlanta and almost missed a flight, and then I lost my car in the uh, parking garage. I couldn't find it when I got back. Yeah. Oh yeah. That I was, mean, I, but I bet fun. you were cool, calm, collected, and sexy throughout that process. Right? You're like, hey, I'm gonna get. I there. was sexy until I realized I didn't know where my car was. Then I had to like do this like <laughs> meditative state to remember. Like it was like a, is like a, what was that movie where the they're locked in the trunk sneakers. Maybe it was. He's, I was like, all right, where oh, was I? Yeah. I walked down a stairwell <laughs> and finally I was walking around the park and I heard my car, but um, no, I think look, yeah. you mentioned, you mentioned the universe. My wife gave me, but when we were dating, she gave me a book called the alchemist. I don't know if you've oh, read it. Such a good book. Yeah. Coelho. Yes. yes. So it's fantastic. Yes. And when you believe with all your heart and all your mind, the universe will conspire get you what you want. But I think there's a piece that's missing that Tony Robbins does a good job of talking about, which is take massive action. So look, you have, like you said, yeah, you gotta, you gotta know, Hey, I'm not going to die. The world's not coming to an end. We can get this done, but then you got to use all your talent, everything that you have to go through that. And that's, what's fun, right? That's why it's, that's why people that are athletes, they know it's like they go, they they're down in a game or they're behind in a race and they come back and they realize, Oh, you know, it's all these things create this durability. So you're still you young. You're still young. You've had this awesome entrepreneurial journey. 
You're, you're also a successful investor. Um, let's tell the audience what you're up to today. What's your next big endeavor here that you're creating, Abby? So we kind of alluded to it. I think small, yeah. business in, small business in America has a crisis. The crisis is there's no succession plan. No succession plan, really, for a lot of these baby boomers that own businesses. And let's call it about a thousand of them every single month. So there are a thousand baby boomers. Maybe day, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Every day. Yes. Yeah. Every day. Sorry to, sorry so to correct you, but yeah, 10,000. No, 10, you're you're, you're you right. Said, you said 10,000 retiring a day, 10% owned day. businesses. That's yep. that's a thousand businesses a day that are a potentially day. going defunct. One out of 10. A thousand businesses a day that need some level of help. And I'm not saying that, you know, yeah. we're, we need to be saviors and stuff. And that's yeah. the attitude. What I'm really trying to help us understand is that's wealth that's being transferred. Yeah. And if we want America to continue to grow in the capacity it's been growing, adding to GDP, continuing to be a world power, it kind of makes sense to help these small businesses that have been on the block for a very long time. They've been around 30, 40 years. We have to help them grow and scale to a level that makes to them and it makes sense for you financially. Yeah. That makes America stronger. We already, America already has an infrastructure problem. We already have, like we saw um, the great free in, in, in Texas, which took out the yeah. entire electrical grid. Isn't that a problem? I know the Biden administration has made the electric grid a major priority, and I'm sure subsequent administrations will continue to make that a priority. To, yeah. And we want to stay competitive on the global level, not just competitive because the US dollar is the reserve currency of the world. What if that no longer is the case tomorrow? Then what? So if we want to stay competitive and we have the ability to make some changes to help support small business America, then it just kind of, for me, makes sense. Let me just go buy these businesses. Yeah, you could consult for them for them as well, but having control means you can have more impact, which means that you can help scale. You can fortify these businesses as you would an army or as you would your base on Fortnite or whatever uh, whatever game you play. And you fortify the business, you position it for scale, and maybe you scale in time. Maybe you find the right team to go build this business the next 10, 15, 20 years. Many of us think about businesses being a five or 10 year endeavor. Why? Why can't these small businesses be around for hundreds of years? Why not a hundred years? Let's start with that concept. And with these generational businesses, we can. The challenge that these general, generational businesses are having that I've been encountering in my uh, conversations with business owners and business brokers alike is one very big thing. They don't trust who is going to purchase the business next. They don't trust them. Interesting. They just don't trust it. And sometimes they don't even trust their own kids. That's a big, yeah, it's a big challenge. Or the kids don't want to own it or don't want to be a part of it, which. Right. Yeah. Because the kids, yeah. which is fine. The kids can do whatever the kids want to do, right? Maybe they yeah. want to found, uh, step into follow the family footsteps of family business, or they just want to go uh, be influencers or path in whichever way they want. Not a problem, right? But that's the crisis that Small Business America has. The unique opportunity, though, is because we're playing between, say, a half a million in 
um, an SDE sell discretionary earning and your maybe one and a half, $2 million EBITDA things before interest taxes, depreciation, amortization, mm -hmm. we're kind of playing in that realm. We're too big for some of the smaller fish to take down and we're too small for your larger private equities to go after because we're playing in that space. The multiples at which we're finding these businesses, the multiple, the trading value of EBITDA that we will buy these businesses for, we're finding, man, between three and four, three and four and a half. So great value. And if I hold it for four years, this is great. So we'll get to my investment methodology in a second. Yeah. That's the big reason why I'm investing and why I'm buying yeah. uh, Small Business America, because I want businesses to accelerate my wealth and I want real estate to preserve it. So I'm not saying do one or the other. It's not like, oh, real estate sucks. Don't do real estate. No, you should absolutely invest in real estate. Just like you should invest in stocks and ETFs and bonds, maybe mutual funds, depending on what your age is and might be a little older. But I still believe in buying businesses being this idea of accelerating wealth. Yeah. So businesses accelerate your wealth, real estate preserves it. Love that. And look, you the first time you and I talk, I'll never forget it because it it immediately was in my head. What you just said, this is how the richest families in the world, not just the US, have created their wealth. Number one business, number two, real estate. And I love it. Business, create, yeah. accelerate wealth, real estate, preserve, grow your wealth. It's phenomenal. So I know we got to wrap up here shortly. I know you got a uh, you got a, another appointment here coming up. I want to hear sure. about your investment methodology, Abby. I want you to share that with the audience before we uh, wrap up today. Yeah. So there are two different buckets, if you will. Yeah. So I'll break this down in two different concepts. The first concept is the two buckets, business on one side, real estate on the other. Okay. And it's an infinity symbol. Right? It just goes from one to the other. So buy a business, take the K-1, invest in real estate. Why are we doing that? Because then I can depreciate the real estate and hopefully offset, the, offset my K-1. That's, the, that's like Love the it. entry yeah. point on how to get rich and stay rich, right? If you do nothing else, or if you remember nothing else from this conversation, it's go Infinity. business, your $100,000 K-1, invest it in real estate, get $100,000, $150,000 loss, carry forward that loss, and boom, here you go. You're not paying any taxes for that year. Yay. All right. Here's the second concept, though. The second concept, let's break down this business bucket a little more into its own two buckets, okay? okay. Now, we have the business real estate bucket. Yep. This business bucket is broken down into old world and new world. But I, I love wine. Okay. So this is like a very awesome reference for me. Old world wine is your traditional business, your plumbing, HVAC, uh, dental office, urgent care, these professional businesses that won't have as much negative impact uh, as like a result of AI. But car washes, like kind of like brick, brick and mortar type. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Car so washes, love yeah. car washes, right? Yeah. So that's your old world yeah. wine. Like your world, you know, it's, you know, it's steady, you know, it's great. The vintage grapes are amazing. They are very gastronomic wines. They taste amazing with food. That kind of, you can taste the sediment. It's a little, you know, that's, you just know it's like a French wine or, you know, it's right like now in my head somewhere. Yeah. It's just, oh gosh, it's incredible. And it's very consistent in taste. Like you just, you just know what you're getting. Your new world wine, think like a 2018, 2019 Napa Cap. 
it's it's built for Americans because as an American, I want my wine with steak, with chicken, with fish, or with Cheerios in the morning, and it pairs beautifully with everything. So your New World wine, that's kind of I haven't uh, tried the Cheerios. Napa. Okay, <laughs> you should actually not too bad. Definitely like a grape juice morning. Um, so that's the way I think about New World. So New World business for me might be a YouTube channel acquisition, something that I know we're talking about, or uh, it could be an e-com store, uh, Amazon, uh, FBA. Um, that was a thing for a while, and I think that might still be an opportunity. But New World, New World, I start thinking e-commerce stores. I start thinking YouTube channel acquisition. And inside of that is its own infinity symbol. One old world business, go buy new, go buy one new world business and vice versa. Just because for me, I like exposure to different types of businesses and opportunities. I have a couple of e-com stores. I have a couple of YouTube channels. And right now I'm gearing up to buy a traditional old world electrical contracting company. So these types of things in my ecosystem paired with the opportunities, capital resources, resources and people, it balloons into this. It has this uh, magnific effect where once you build, it never stops. And yes, it is fully possible to find the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and ensure that that pot of gold is constant, constantly refilling, especially with this infinity symbol we just talked about. I love that. And look, listeners of the show will recognize that as the continuum of, of make, keep and grow your money. And it all weaves in you, you make, you find something to make money. I've always talked about high income profession, a business, like we've been talking about, find a strategy to keep your money. I love what you talk about, Avi, blending two investment strategies together to offset the income, the taxes from that income. So you keep more of that and then you use that and you go back out and you grow it and you continue to grow that. And as you said, the impact you're making with every single one of these businesses can be amazing. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, before we go today, uh, I know we got a, we got a link to uh, one of the talks you gave here, uh, your TED talk, I think it was on YouTube. Um, there we're yep. going to link in the show notes. Um, where else can people learn more about you, your brand, and the things that you have going on today? Yeah, I would check me out on LinkedIn, uh, linkedin.com slash in slash Avi Golhar, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook threads. I'm on threads as well. Uh, but really, if you have a question or you're thinking about, well, this this methodology, this investing methodology of, yeah. of, of buying or building a business to accelerate my wealth and preserving it yeah. with real estate, if you've got questions, about that or what a due diligence process looks like for a business? What does the capital raising process look like for a business? Or you might have some cash and you're like, well, you know, these two new world, old world ideas sound really interesting. I'm looking for, you know, a, a north of a 13 to 14% um, cash on cash year one. I'm happy to just to point you in the right direction. And all you need to do is just get in touch email me at abi at abigolhar.com. So maybe link that in the show notes as well. Just A-B-H-I at abigolhar, G-O-L-H-A-R.com. And happy to happy to answer questions because there's plenty of opportunities out here for everybody. Who am I to be selfish and say I want them all? I love it. I love it. And that look, that's the beautiful thing. You know, that's the abundance mindset. We've talked about so many 
awesome concepts. You know, when you talk about helping people, we talked about creating systems, talking about, you know, the abundance mindset. And then, as you mentioned, sitting in your basement for sometimes days on end, you know, look, <laughs> massive action. There's, there's no substitute that for that at the end of the day. So I love your story. I love how we weaved all these concepts into it. If you want to get in touch with Abby, we're going to have all this information on the show notes. Thank you again, my friend, for coming on and hey. sharing your story and all this information with our audience today. Thank you so much, Chris. My, uh, Chris, my pleasure. Hey, Chris here again. I hope you found this episode valuable. Now I have one more thing to give to you. We have a page for my coaching clients where you can get a free copy of my book, as well as much more from previous guests on the show. Just check out nextlevelincome.com slash coaching to get a free copy of my book, audiobook, and much more. I'll send you a copy of my book and cover all the shipping costs as a thank you for listening to the podcast. Also, please like, share, and take just 90 seconds to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts.